Hey everyone, today's episode is going to be the first part of a two-parter. This is about the Lori Vallow case, who kind of the doomsday cult, the disappeared kid, the murdered husbands, it's got it all. Enjoy. Welcome everyone globally. <laughs> Hope you're safe and sound. Welcome to the Weird World Podcast, where we're still trying to keep it weird in these times of trouble. Carrie is going to rip something from today's headlines. At least it would probably be in today's headlines had we not been in the 24-7 wall-to-wall coverage of COVID-19. This is certainly a story that was making some major headlines, and it is an interesting and very strange true-life crime, in all likelihood, story. Yeah. By the way, I'm Dean. I'm Emma. I'm Carrie. Carrie, why don't you go ahead and... Take it away. Well... We are going to talk about the saga, and I mean a very dramatic saga, of Lori Vallow. Oh, I thought you were going to say Grendel. I thought. Grendel. Or something Viking related with the saga. <laughs> and her newest husband, Chad Daybell. I say newest husband mm. because she's had several. Especially Not a few. <laughs> Not a couple. <laughs> okay. Several. Her new husband, Chad is a doomsday prepper. Mm, yes. And alleged cult leader. Oh, I didn't know that. Lori Vallow is a mom <laughs> who just, if you looked at her and probably met her at the grocery store, you'd think she's just, you know, your average everyday... Housewife mom. Middle class, yeah, mom. Dyes she- her hair to be crazy. <laughs> Too close to home. Um, I don't dye my hair to be crazy. Okay. Do I our use my... listeners even know mom dyes her hair? <laughs> right now, it's a little bit of blue, just a little streak, streaks of blue. Sometimes I put color in it in order to allow me to gracefully go gray. Oh, okay. Because I don't want to color it brown. I don't want to get on that whole bandwagon of having roots and stuff. Mm. So my color just fades, and then I can change it to a different color. Okay. If you must know, Dean. I really didn't want to know that much, but that's fine. <laughs> Lori has two children. Her daughter is 17 years old, and her name is Tylee, and her son, JJ, is seven. And in this story, we are very much going to be concerned with Tylee and JJ. Let's go, because I know Dean likes timelines. And he likes to know exactly which date, which date. It's important. Well, we're going to actually go back to April 2018. Okay. And this is when Lori's ex-husband, actually Tylee's father, his name is Joseph Ryan, he died of a heart attack, of an apparent heart attack. And he, they, for the most part, everybody lives in Arizona, at least at first, his body was cremated. You know, he had a heart attack. Everything was normal. He and Lori had had a contentious relationship and a bad divorce. And, you know, there was custody battles and all that kind of stuff. And interestingly enough, Lori has a brother. His name is Alex. And way back in 2007, Alex was charged with aggravated assault against Lori's husband, Joseph. For some reason. So they didn't get along either. So that was April 2018. February 2019 now, Lori is actually, and not that long after, Lori is now married to a man named Charles Vallow. Okay. Who by all accounts is a real good guy. He's successful and nice. Everybody said, you know, he's just kind of a, a mellow very friendly, get-along kind of guy. Well, their marriage start, was starting to have some troubles. How, they couldn't have been married that long. No, when, um, when the ex-husband died, they weren't still oh, married. Gotcha. That's why I said ex-husband. Okay. They had oh, been divorced for it. a while. Okay. I, I, Charles, I don't know exactly when Charles and Lori got married, but Tylee was little. Okay. Oh, so oh, a long time. So they'd been married for a while. And they adopted, so Lori already had... Uh, Tylee when they got married and then they adopted 
a little boy named JJ who is... So he came with that name already then? Who? JJ? Never mind. I don't know. So he's seven now. So seven years ago, they adopted JJ. JJ is actually the grandson of Charles's sister. She had a son who, for whatever reason, couldn't take care of the baby, didn't hear anything about the mother of this baby, Mm. but for some reason wasn't able to take care of him. And so she and her husband loved their grandson, but knew that her brother and his wife would be able to, you know, it would be a better family because they already had Tylee and all that kind of stuff. So Charles and Lori adopt JJ, who also happens to be autistic. Uh So that's, this is a little family. Well, things were starting to go awry by the beginning of 2019. Charles actually had filed for divorce. And he claimed that she viewed herself as a god. And she was preparing for the second coming of Christ. Hmm. Oh, God. Was, I'm assuming this developed during the course of their marriage because it wasn't something that she, you know, talked about before the ring no. was on her finger. Okay. I, I think it was Do a you have pretty... any timeline re- in terms of her? I think it was a pretty recent development. Okay. Mm. She had become friends with Chad Daybell, okay. her, her current husband. They're all members of the Mormon church. Oh, really? Yeah. But... A, it sounds like a variant, an extreme variant of the Mormon church, I'm guessing, right? Well, I don't even know if they call themselves Mormon at this point. Oh, really? But, but Charles and Lori, I mean, they, they, were, they were normal Mormons. Say and, that four times fast. <laughs> <laughs> but at some point, she becomes friends with this guy named Chad Daybell, who, and I couldn't find it online so that I could listen to it, but he had a podcast. Really? Oh, yeah. Hey, about, hey, hey listeners, don't listen to it. About, well, you, can, I, you can't find it. I couldn't find it. I searched something about like like a doomsday prepping kind of thing. Uh, okay. But it's religious and it's culty and it's like, you know, you we have to prepare for the end of the world because, really, you know, doomsday stuff. It's a bit culty. <laughs> and apparently the end of the world was gonna, is going to be... I think June twenty second, twenty twenty, June or July twenty second, twenty twenty. All right, so we better get upload, ready. Upload before that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it, this may never air. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and it's after June of twenty twenty, all right, thumbs up. We made it through. <laughs> if you're not, you're dead because the world ended. Yeah. Well, if so. the world ends, it's probably not going to be because of a religious rapture or whatever. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm counting on it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't I'm this be like behind? <laughs> There'll be so much fewer people here. The streets will be less crowded. I'll, it's just yeah. less smog. Our whole family would totally be left behind. Our carbon, carbon, the global carbon footprint would be in much better shape. Yeah, so yeah, but I'm, it's going to be horrible. Wait for left behind. Why? You know, that's, so a few people on the first day are driving and they're whisked up to heaven and their car crashes. Fine, <laughs> but once we clean up the streets and things like that, trust me. No, don't they claim all, all the volcanoes are going to erupt and all? There's going to be massive earthquakes and. You know what? Still you know, better. California's gonna. <laughs> we'll end up in the ocean. We'll move. I I still say never. <laughs> we'll positive. swim back. Is yeah. that what's okay? No, yeah, we'll be on an island. I'm okay with that. Some parts of California must. Yeah, it's fine. Stay above water. Well, okay. So, Lori was becoming fascinated with Chad Daybell and his doomsday. Um, proclamations and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, she believed him. And so she started traveling from Arizona, where they lived, to Idaho, where Chad lived with his family. He was married and had five kids. And um, Wait, she moved... So he... Charles filed for divorce, but they weren't divorced officially. Even before he filed. Oh, really? She had become fascinated with Chad. Oh, I know that, but they didn't move to Boise yet. No, no. I didn't say she moved there. She would just travel there. Oh, to, you know, they went to like weird conventions and stuff and, and she would appear, she started appearing on his podcast. Mm. So she would have to travel, you know, they couldn't do it via Skype, like mm. I guess the way fancy people do. Mm. She had to actually go there. <laughs> fancy people. Mm. So, okay. She's, so. Um, got it. She's um, cheating on him and finding excuses to get away. And he's like, I don't yeah. care. No. I am so done with you. No, I think he cared. Yeah, what, uh, if you're asking for a divorce, do you really? Well, I mean, so here's something Chad or uh, Charles found. He found emails where Lori had posed as him, Charles, uh, well, to get Chad 
to come to Arizona to write a book. Chad was also a writer. He's written many, many books, but it looks like they're all self-published yeah. and they're all weird doomsday end of the world kind of stuff. Don't don't judge. And <laughs> I can judge all I want okay. to. Right. Everybody judges. That's <laughs> Carrie's bumper sticker. Yeah. Everybody. Nobody cares about you and yeah. everybody judges. <laughs> seriously, seriously, guys, that is Carrie's catchphrase. No one cares about you. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about you. Meaning everybody cares more about themselves. Yeah, it's, you're not helping. Just go on. <laughs> but actually, they're both, they're inconsistent. Yeah. Because the nobody cares about you means people aren't going around judging you for what you look like yeah. and stuff. You but, should absolutely have both those kind of bumper are. stickers <laughs> on your car. <laughs> okay. So anyway, here's the, the email. Quote, I would gladly fly you down here early next week. You can stay in our guest room like before. So clearly he's been there before. Ooh, I hate shit. to take you away from your family, but I would definitely make it worth your time. With admiration, Charles. With admiration. Who talks like that? No one in the world. Fancy I would... businessmen. No. I don't think so. <laughs> no, with admiration. Admiringly leers. Well, apparently Charles confronted Lori when he found this email. Like, what the heck? And she refused to explain why she did it. So he assumed that she and Chad were having an affair. As one would. And yes. he planned to actually talk to Chad's wife, Tammy, oh. and tell her about it. But apparently he never got the chance to do that. Yeah. So he filed for divorce, and um, in the divorce filings, he also expressed fear that Lori was going to kill him <gasps> if he got in the way of her religious mission. So he was very concerned about her new religiosity and that it was a little bit more bizarre As than you are. normal LDS. Any sudden, <laughs> I mean, this is going to piss off some people, but any sudden adult life, Conversion thing is is a psychological break. I'm not saying it's wrong. I kind of am. It's something it, to, it's, to it's, look at. It's a major psychological break that requires, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's more trustworthy psychologically in my mind if you go, you know what? Yeah, I've been reading the Bible. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I like what it says. I think I'm going to be a Christian as opposed to you, uh, my friend dragging me to a church service. I saw God, and from that day on, I was an extreme ultra rapture, you know, heavy Christian. That that's yeah. a little, or, or whatever, whatever. Other way too. Yeah, would be psychologically suspect if you became went from a devout Christian to a I hate God bumper sticker kind of a person. Really? Yeah. You, yeah. You, you got to come at these from a from, if you don't come at those kind of life changes from, in a rational, gradual way. That, that something went. That, haywire in your brain. I'm, I'm making that too broad of a yeah. statement, but um, it's it's just a, such a shock to the psychological system. Anytime someone's like swings too far yeah. to the other side is a bit suddenly is a bit suspect. Yeah. Well, she claimed that she was having visions and spiritual revelations, and he told his sister about this. And that Lori was claiming she was a god and that she was going to murder him mm. and angels were going to come dispose of his body. Oh, my God. Jeez, you think a god could snap her fingers and take care of the body part of yeah. yeah, true. Need angels to do your dirty work? <laughs> and at some point in 2019 or early, like around there, like around the time he filed for divorce, she just left. Hmm. Left the entire family. Left the kids and was gone for like a month or two. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'd be super okay with that if I was him. <laughs> Change the locks. Well, here's something from his divorce filing that Lori told Charles in the paperwork. It's his mother and father, and that just sounds weird to me, so I'm going to call him <laughs> Charles and Lori. Lori told Charles that she is sealed, which means eternally married in the Mormon church, to the ancient Book of Mormon prophet Moroni, and that she has lived numerous lives on numerous planets prior to this current life. Hmm. As you know, I know most of, about the religion of Mormonism through the Playbook of Mormon. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I do remember the name Maroney. So I kind of do out. too. It checks. Okay. I don't. It also says on January 29th, during a phone conversation between the parties and after their physical separation, Lori informed Charles that she was a god assigned to carry out the work of the 144,000 at Christ's <laughs> oh my god. second coming in July 2020. And that if Charles got in her way, gotten the way of her mission, she would murder him. Hmm. So July. Okay. Yikes. Yeah, so it was July. Isn't it like a no-no to get divorced when you're Mormon? Yeah. Yeah, Pretty, because you're, yeah, they call it being sealed and it's... You're supposed to like go in, in yeah. front of like some mm-hmm. elder in the church and like 
Aren't it's you, like a process to get not divorced. Also, not go to uh, temple, go to Mormon temples anymore after if you're divorced. I don't know the rules. You can. I've I've like been that. told. I know quite a few people that were Mormon before yeah. that you are you are basically like excommunicated, but you can be like granted reentry. Look, you can t- continue to give us your 10% of your income, okay? Yeah. We'll cash those checks, you, you, but we don't like it. It is a no-no, and you do get, like, shunned a bit, but you get, you know, if re-entered in a way. If you're not a good Mormon in good standing, you can't even walk into a temple. Mm-hmm. There you go. But so. it's funny because I know a lot of Mormons that aren't... Well, they pretend. Hey, 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 yeah, sh- that don't pretend. Don't rat them out. I'm not saying any names. Right. <laughs> I know a few myself. <laughs> So anyway, what was the last thing I said? Oh, that she's going to kill him. Yeah. She also <laughs> apparently told a friend of hers, whose name is April, that uh, Charles was already dead. Oh. Oh, God. And then she walked it back and said, well, he's not dead yet, but I know he will be. <laughs> dead soon. to me. <laughs> okay, if you're planning on murdering Yeah, that's husband, not smart. Don't say that yeah. he's already dead. Yeah. So she did kind of weird stuff like that. Then, okay, on on the internet, <laughs> there is a video of police body cam footage, footage. I believe it's in February of 2019, mm-hmm. where Lori went to the police department with Tylee. And so, you know, they go in like one of those little rooms where they interview you or whatever. And so it's like, I think, one or two cops and Lori and Tylee. And Lori has gone to the police department voluntarily to report that Charles has stolen her purse. And she's upset because, you know, it has her wallet and her ID and all of her credit cards and everything in it. And so, you know... It's a big deal to her. She needs that kind of stuff. And the police kind of agree, yeah, there's no reason for him to have your stuff. You know, you need your ID, blah, blah, blah. So so she's really mad about this. What she's mostly mad about, and she literally says this to the police, she's really mad about her lip gloss. Oh, my God. Chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. I had a half a pack of dentine in Mm -hmm. there, and I... Only eat sugarless. Oh my god! Yeah, Bullshit. this woman. Go arrest and, him. And the cops kind of chuckled with her too. And she said that uh, her husband is out of town, and that or that he was out of town, and she discovered he was cheating on her. So okay. she told him, you know, basically, don't come home. Everything, all of your stuff is going to be gone. Like I'm going to get rid of your stuff, and and she took money out of their joint bank account. She she's telling the police this. Yes. Oh my, oh my God. God. And so she said That's he's mad. Okay. She thinks he took her purse because he's mad that she took money. But at it's this, their joint bank account, so it's her money too. At this point, if I'm a cop, I say, you know, I'm kind of on his side. Yeah. Well, so the cops called you. You're kicking, off. you're going to throw his shit out when you cheated on him? Bitch, go get a hotel. Well, yeah. she doesn't tell them that she was cheating on him. I thought she said she, oh. No, that, he, that she said so, that Charles was cheating on her. Oh, I misunderstood you. Yeah, okay. she found that out oh, okay. while he was out of town. So that's why she did everything uh, she did. Okay. And so he's mad, and that's why he stole her purse. So the police call Charles and, you know, tell them or tell him that, you know, you have your wife's purse and she's down here reporting it. And why don't you come down and straighten this all out? So he says, sure, I'll be right down there and I'll come with the, the court order that I have. I think it's a court order because what else would an order mean? Yeah. Ordering her for a, like a mental health evaluation. Oh, shit. Like what you talking like to a is committal. crazy. Yeah. He spoke like that exactly. Yeah. It's a good, that's good. So they <laughs> said, okay, you know, bring it on down. Presumably, we don't, there's no footage of them talking to Charles, but there is a recording of the police, I guess, in, in this order that Charles has. It lists like witnesses. You know, they have to corroborate why she needs this mental health committal. And so it's a friend of Charles's who, when, when Charles was out of town, he had him listen in on a phone conversation that between Charles and Lori, where he said Lori was saying some really strange religious things, including I'm going to destroy you. And if you want to see the kids, I'll give them to you, Hmm. which was, I think he just thought it was weird. Like she was willing to just like give him the kids. So I don't know, but so he corroborated some of it. The interesting thing is, though, the cops seemed very taken in by Lori, Hmm. and she wasn't committed. Oh, my God. And, you know, they probably made 
Charles give her back her purse, and that was kind of the end of it. Charles told them about the money, you know, that she had taken. I've seen either $25,000 or $30,000 Jesus, out of their joint account, and, um, and I think it was she pretty much wiped it out. And so that's what she's saying. He wants me to give him money. And, yeah. you know, they, they told Charles that's a civil matter. Well, it, no, it's still a police matter if she stole money. Mm-hmm. From well, your, I know it's a joint account, yeah. but obviously if they're in the process of getting divorced, she yes. uh, she's, has a rightful it's, right to yeah. half. But it not is to still a civil matter. The entire amount. Yeah, I guess The police is. don't get involved in I guess things like that. It's not, it's not theft. Yeah. It's not right, but it's not. I guess until they not, have a, um, a ruling. Right. If, yeah. a, if a judge ruled, okay, you split that account, and she took all of it, that would be yes. theft, I imagine. But also, interestingly enough, at some point, Charles decides to withdraw his divorce petition. <sighs> what? what sucker. So they didn't get divorced. Mm. So he decided, and he, I guess, told people, I'm, I want to go back and try to make it work. Wow. Really weird. Yeah. So they... Well, she convinced some people she was God, so she has some powers of persuasion i don't know who she, i think she only convinced herself to Her, quite maybe honestly. chad i well there might be one other person she convinced oh, and we'll talk know. about her in a little bit but um oprah winfrey so <laughs> while they never actually got a divorce they didn't really i don't know if at some point they lived together again but they were estranged they he wasn't living and it with in the same house with her and at some point he moves to houston Hmm. Texas, I'm I'm guessing for work. At that point, I think you're giving up on the marriage. Yeah. Yes. In July. Mm-hmm. Of in, what year now? 2019. Not 2020? Nope. <laughs> okay. Lori Vallow's brother is at Lori's house for some reason. Well, actually, I know the reason. He's a truck driver. And I don't know if he was just getting back from... A, a trucking assignment, whatever. Okay, no, that's good. Let's stick with trucking assignment. But he's at Lori's house and he spends the night there with Lori and the kids. And the next morning, it's like eight thirty in the morning. There's a nine one one call, hmm. and it's Alex, Lori's brother, calling nine one one to report that his brother in law came over to the house and there was a ruckus and he had to shoot him. Jesus. Oh, my God. And he's dead. So, obviously, the police respond. And you can listen to the 911 calls on the Internet. When he calls, he says, you know, I shot my brother-in-law in self-defense. Of course. Which is kind of weird. Always a dead giveaway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's very calm, not excited. He doesn't sound upset at all. And um, How many hours ago was it? You, you wonder. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it So he was had, more or less recently dead when yeah, they made that call? Okay. I think so. It was 8.30 in the morning, and Charles had come over to take JJ to school. Oh, uh, okay. You know, this is their story, but yeah. it doesn't... I don't think knowing, you know, everything that I've heard about Charles, he wasn't over there to cause trouble. He was over no. there to pick up JJ and take yeah. him to school. So, uh, and like I said, you can listen to it, but they're asking him questions, and he says, yeah... There's blood. He's not moving. You know, he's just very, like I said, very calm. Hey, we're going to cut in here and listen to this 911 call, and then we'll tell you what we think about it on the other side. 911, where is your... It's at uh, 5531 South Four Peaks. I think it's Four Peaks Lane. I'm not sure. I'm sorry, you you don't know the direction? I don't know the the street name, if it's a lane or court. It's 5531 East, though? Uh, yeah, or South. You need yes. police or paramedics? Uh, both. I mean, police and an ambulance. What's the emergency there? Uh, there was a... I got in a fight with my brother-in-law, and I shot him in self-defense. Okay, let me get the medics on the phone. And is he hurt, or is he alive, or...? Yeah, there's blood. He's he's not moving. How long ago did this happen? Uh, a couple of minutes. Fire department, what is the address of the emergency? And what is the emergency? Uh, I, I shot my brother-in-law. Okay, what part of his body is injured? Uh, in the chest. I'm sorry, where? In the chest. Okay, is he awake and responsive or unconscious? Unconscious. Okay, is he breathing? I can't tell. 
Are you wanting? Are you willing to go over to him and check? Sure. Okay. Do you just let me know if you see his chest going up and down? How old is he? It's not moving. He's 60. Okay. And are you wanting to start CPR? No, I don't know how to do that. I can walk you through it. Okay. And what I want to do is you're going to put one hand in the center of his chest. Yeah. The other hand's going to go right on top of it. Okay. You're going to interlock your fingers, keeping your arms straight, and you're going to press down hard and fast into his chest. You're going to go okay. two inches down and fairly quickly. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Making sure his chest goes up between each compression. Where's the okay. bun now? Uh, it's in the other room. Okay. PD, we're going to stage for you. Okay, thank you. And just keep going with those compressions. PD, did you have any other questions? Yes. What's your name, sir? My name is Alex. Last name is Cox. See you, Alex. And where are you in the house now? Uh, in the living room. And where is the gun? Uh, it's in a bedroom. Who else is there in the house with you? Uh, just me. gun is it? Was it a... Uh... It's, it's my gun. It's a 45. A pistol? 45 caliber pistol? Yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Your brother-in-law? Charles Vallow. His last name, I'm sorry? V-A-L-L-O. Vallow. V like Victor or G like George? V like Victor. Okay. Well, police and medics are on the way to help you. Um, Thank you. Are you still doing what, chest compressions with him? Yes. Okay, just keep pushing down hard and fast in the center of his chest. How long ago did this occur? Did it just happen? Yeah, maybe five minutes before I called. Make sure you're still pressing down at least two inches into his chest, and it comes up with each compression. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, were you guys arguing when this happened? Yeah. Okay. And you said there's nobody else there, just you and him, correct? Correct. Okay. Okay, so what did you guys think about that? Well, I have some questions, as you might imagine. It's pretty Obviously, nonchalant, isn't it? It's incredibly, incredible lack of urgency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, okay, he said he, he waited five minutes. One, he says a couple minutes, and he says five minutes later on yeah. before yeah. he called 911. Five minutes to call 911 after you shot someone where you're allegedly alone with that person is an eternity. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Yeah. You're clearly not trying to save his life. Mm -hmm. The other thing is it's obvious you can hear him when he's doing the fake CPR uh, is just when it may be 30, 40 seconds when they first tell him to after he reluctantly does it. Yeah. And then he clearly, audibly, you can hear him stop that until yeah. the guy reminds him again to, oh, you're doing CPR? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you, there's just You also so many red brought up there. a point about his phone. Yeah. How could you hold a phone and have a conversation while you're doing CPR. Well, yeah, he must have had a Bluetooth and he must have put his phone... He didn't his, have a Bluetooth. He didn't have a Bluetooth. I, mean, I don't think he did. That The How conversation that didn't... Then? I mean, phones can go on speaker, but that didn't yeah, sound that like, like it was that. on speaker. That's why I thought he was on Bluetooth. Probably I would not. be so flustered. Oh, everybody Trying would. to hold the phone in my shoulder yeah. and you know do CPR and yeah. I would be saying, hey, wait, hang on, let me put you on speaker so I can do this properly kind of thing. And so he, I don't believe he was doing He clearly CPR. has not watched no. enough true crime shows no. to well, know how no. you're supposed to act. Because you can hear the vroom, 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 vroom sound that he's faking yeah. it 
when they told him to, yeah. and then he stopped, and then he fakes it again for 10 seconds yeah. after the guy reminds him, if that, and then all the other times you don't hear that audible f- 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 yeah. sound, so he's not faking it anymore. So he's, he probably never did it. At the very best, he did it for yeah. 30 seconds and then 10 seconds. He's and clearly also, making no effort to save yeah. this, yeah. this person's life. And also, it's not easy. I mean, she's telling him to do chest compressions that, you know, compress the chest two inches. Yeah. That's a lot of force. That's not easy to do. Yeah. It takes exertion. Yeah. And I would think you wouldn't be able to carry on a conversation as N- well, you know, casually no. as he is. Yeah, my guess is he's, again, there's that noise. My guess is he's just literally he's leaning over and, yeah. and moving his arms, not any yeah. kind of real exertion, yeah. any kind of real force to his chest. And yeah. you'd think they would know that. Hopefully they do. They sound... Yeah, they do sound a little suspicious. The other very interesting thing is where he says more than once in the 911 call that the only people there yeah. are him and his brother-in-law. And where's your sister and her son? I don't know. I think she took him to school. Yeah, and, and you said that he was that Charles came over there in order to take JJ yes. to school. So obviously she either has to leave with... JJ after Charles comes over mm-hmm. or she leave, which leaves before he gets there, which doesn't make any sense because no. he's Here, on his way to do that. So. so here's the story that Alex tells the police when they respond. He says that Charles came over in the morning and started getting in a fight with his sister Lori and that it was so bad that Tylee, the 17-year-old, came out with a bat. Hmm. To basically defend her mother. <laughs> Alex said that Charles was getting physical with Lori. And that's why Tylee got, brought the bat out. Mm-hmm. Well, Charles was able to grab the bat from Lori, or from Tylee, sorry. And then I guess, I don't know what Tylee did after that. And then, oh, he said she poked Charles with the bat. <laughs> and he took it away from her. And that at that point, Lori left with JJ and Tylee to take JJ to school, which I'm sorry. Yeah, you're going to leave your 17-year-old daughter with your violent... No, she took Tylee with her. Oh, she took Tylee with her. Yeah. Okay, in your house. You wouldn't call the police. But, yeah. Seriously. He's coming over and your daughter comes out with a bat. You don't call the police. You just go take your kids to school. Yes. No. No. And one would think the seven-year-old would be so upset by what's going on yeah. at home yeah. between his father and his mother and his uncle and his sister that also he's autistic, yeah. that there's no way he's just going to school like it's another Tuesday. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what day of the week it was, but... So anyway, that's the story. They left. Alex says that Charles still has the bat in his hand, and so he's coming at... Alex now so, uh, with again, the bat. So again, like, so she's going to leave to take the kids to school like a normal day, leaving her brother behind with this violent, now armed mm-hmm. <laughs> well, ex-husband. Who, I mean, come on. You know, an argument could be she was getting the kids out of there, you but know, still, to get them away from the situation. Yeah, but yes, well, okay. You'd I would par- call the police. Phone, yes. You'd park a block away and yes. call the police. And if his story is true, that Charles was getting violent... You certainly would do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But here's the thing. And Lori then, knows Charles isn't violent. Yeah. So, but anyway, I think there are other reasons why she didn't call the police, obviously. Well, yeah. So he says that he turned around. So you turn your back on the violent man attacking you with a baseball bat. Yeah. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So he said he, tr- he turned around and Charles hit him, hit him in the head <laughs> with the bat. <laughs> so he went to his room the room that he was spending the night in and got his gun. And the police asked him, you know, why do you have a gun? Oh, I have a concealed carry permit and I always have it with me. Yeah. Well, so he said he came out of the bedroom with his gun and told Charles to put the bat down and he came at him again. Yeah. See, which you would do. I'm saying sarcastically to somebody pointing a gun at you. I wouldn't think so. No. Well, the cop asked him, why didn't you just stay in your bedroom and close the door? Uh-huh. Or again, call, call the police on the cell phone yeah. that you're using right now, dickhead. I know. Well, good question, right? Alex's answer was, uh, it didn't occur to me. Mm. Seriously. Stay in the room, close the door, and call the police. He only has a bat. Yeah. That would be my first instinct, is to get away from someone. 
and call the police if I'm being attacked. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah their story is is laugh out loud badly. That's, that's the, and, and they got away with it. He went out yeah. there with a gun, told him to put the bat down, and of course Charles came at him again after he and he said after he already hit me in the set head, so I shot him to stop him. Apparently he shot him twice in the chest. Mm. So then he said he went back into the bedroom to put the gun back and get his phone, and then he cleaned his head up, and presumably at some point in there he also called 911. And he told the police that normally he had a good relationship with Charles, and he, you know, he didn't know why Charles was so upset, but that you know, he and his sister were separated. Yeah. And so then I guess Lori and Tylee come Oh, so then he asks, you know, like, you know, they ask questions like, where does he live? And he says he lives in Houston. And, you know, he, he came here to take JJ to school. And there's like a truck parked outside. And, you know, he asks, you know, is that his car? And Alex says something like, no, that's my sister's car. Well, you know, how did he, how did Charles get here? Well, he, I think he had a rental car. Where's that car now? Lori took the rental car. Oh my God. Lori took Charles's rental car. To take the kids to school. Jesus. Weird. Why? Very weird. I mean, it doesn't make gonna, any sense. I was just going to say that it, it, it may not have been premeditated murder because, you know, it could have been they had an argument, obviously avoidable. Yeah. Obviously, he's, he's lying about the, some of the circumstances and details of what happened. I mean, uh, Alex Cox is, but maybe it wasn't premeditated. But Lori's story, plus Lori taking the rental car, that makes me a little suspicious that it was premeditated. And then, you know, they're asking him questions like, why are you here? Oh, I'm on vacation. Well, do you come stay with your sister often? Yeah, I, you know, just came here to hang out. When she hires me to kill her. I mean, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, what? Well, you know, <laughs> I was hoping we were going to go do something fun. Jesus. You know, and he's so, like, just the, the way his voice goes up, it's, it just sounded huh. really strange. That yeah. also makes it a little more uh, premeditated Mm-hmm. But dumb. I mean, he, he yeah. was dumb about it. So, like I said, he, he did say more than once that it was just him and Charles there. Yeah. But at some point, you know, Lori and Tylee come home, and they both tell the police that they were there. <laughs> so they didn't get the story straight? No. No. They didn't. That also makes it, no, okay, then I, I forget, forget the not premeditated. This is premeditated. Yeah. yeah. So... Lori's demeanor, and I didn't see any of this. I didn't see like body cam video from the police after she got there. But they said she was making small talk with the police, kind of giggling. And she basically had no reaction when she found out that her husband was dead. When Jesus. She found yeah. out air quotes. Yeah. yeah. Because presumably she wasn't there when it happened. Tylee basically did corroborate. Alex's story, she told the police that she picked up the bat to defend her mom and that Charles took the bat from her and took a swing at Alex. But apparently there was only a small amount of blood coming from a small cut on Alex's head. Really wasn't consistent with someone being hit in the head with a baseball bat, at least so bad that you had to shoot and kill the guy that hit you. So Mm -mm. gave him a little tap on the head and make it look good. Right? Or something. I mean, it sounds... it's not going to be a cut, right? Yeah, sure. It, it's going to break the skin. Well, but sure, like, it's going to break the skin. It depends but, on how they define and cut. But, it? yeah, that's true. I, like I didn't, would, Not a puncture, no, but uh, yeah. it'd, be, it'd break the skin it'd and cause a, bleeding. Yeah. Sure. So like, people could describe that as a cut. There should also be a fair amount of swelling. and I feel you know like I mean? gash would be yeah. a better word. Yeah. I, if, yeah, like not, like cut makes you think of like a, like a, little, a little slit, a little, yeah. you know. Yeah. Let's not overparse this. Yeah. <laughs> well, so anyway. But clearly it wasn't that bad. No. No. Okay. And like I said, Lori's demeanor was very strange. She was giggly and, you know, very unconcerned that her husband was dead in her living room. Uh, that evening, she had a pool party. Because she's Lori. Her neighbors reported that they heard loud music coming from her backyard. Not Could even you trying. imagine? Have we been clear... Potential murderers. We've been very clear on some <laughs> mm-hmm. do's and don'ts. We, again, don't call the insurance company the same day or the next day. Don't, when the 9-11 calls back, don't answer, yellow, mm-hmm. like don't Menendez <laughs> it. Don't have a party. Mm-hmm. Get your story straight. Well, she had a party. She also texted Charles's two sons. He had sons from a previous marriage, so these are her stepsons. 
who she presumably knew very well, but, you know, they were grown-ups. Charles was 60s. So he was a bit older than her. So she sends two young men a text to tell them that their father has died. This is going to be good. Hi, boys. <laughs> I have very sad news. Your dad passed away yesterday. I'm working on making arrangements, and I'll keep you informed about what's going on. I'm still not sure how to handle things. Just want you to know that I love you, and so did your dad. Exclamation point, exclamation point, heart emoji. Eggplant, peach. Did mm-hmm. she text him in like a group chat? <laughs> I I Hi, boys. Like, Hi, boys, plural. So, yeah. Yeah, probably. You couldn't get less sincere than that. No. Nope. By the way, let's keep this chat going. Okay. <laughs> let's just keep this string. Well, and so obviously they're alarmed and upset, yeah. and they have no details. They don't know how he died or, you know, anything beyond he's dead. And so they immediately both try calling her, and she doesn't respond for hours. Terrible. Carry her phone is recharging. Give her a break. Yeah, well. She you, turned it to vibrate, so she didn't know. You also mentioned don't call the insurance company. Yeah, oh my God. She called the insurance Seriously, company. Oh my Lori. God. The day after he died. God. And what do you think she found out? Because she knew he had a substantial um, life insurance policy. Uh, he she stopped paying. He took her off. He took her off. Nice. She At least there's one for you, Charles. No longer the beneficiary. That's good. Well, she had been threatening to kill him. Yeah. Well, Obviously, he's not going to leave her as the beneficiary. She thought he was. She assumed since they were still legally married mm-hmm. that because usually your wife is, well, I don't know about life insurance, but for like 401ks and stuff, your spouse is automatically presumed the beneficiary. And in order for you to change that, the spouse has to sign something. Yeah. That's so, not an unfair assumption on her part. So I think it's, it's, it's understandable that she thought she was going to get that life insurance. Let's yes. That way. Well, he changed it to his sister, Kay, who is JJ's biological grandmother. Okay. And everybody, everybody in that family went by just letters. Well, I presume it's spelled K-A-Y. And her aunt D. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, speaking of Kay, her husband is named Larry. They're Kay and Larry Woodcock. L. The day after Charles was killed, you know, she had a very good relationship with Charles. I mean, she basically chose him to raise her grandchild. Mm-hmm. They flew from uh, Louisiana, where they lived, to Arizona, and they went to the police department, and they basically said that Lori had to be behind yeah. Charles's killing. And didn't you say mm-hmm. Charles had been warning people that she was going to kill him? Yeah. Or he, yeah. Yeah. It was in his divorce filing That's right. that she had been threatening to kill him. See, this is why sometimes, again, police officers, police departments, they 99% of the time they're doing their best. But so often you do hear these th- situations where, come on, you guys, it's really obvious what happened here. Just be a rational human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and do the right thing. I, I think they did see the red flags, and I think they were investigating it. But they said that, you know, it, some those kinds of things, I guess, some it just seems like they drag on so long. Yeah. And they take yeah. so long for the police to, to g- gather what, Ever mountain of evidence they think they need in order to have probable cause to, to arrest somebody, but it just gets pushed behind because it seems like you know they have so many other crimes that are seemingly much more obvious or serious mm-hmm. or something like that, and this is like, hey, maybe this woman and this guy are lying, and maybe this self defense case was murder. It's, I, I'm sure that gets pushed to the bottom of the yeah. agenda, but it, it, that's not an excuse. It shouldn't. It, no, it definitely shouldn't have. Well, so like I said, when she found out that the new beneficiary was his sister Kay, she called Kay and she, or no, she didn't call her. She texted her. She was very angry that he did it. <laughs> sorry, sorry, not sorry. Click. Yeah. So you know, some relatives think that you know this could be something that kind of pushed Lori over the edge. So. Things go on. I mean, that's Life why she's on. having a pool party. Yeah. It was an insurance money pool party. Pool party. Next morning, she finds out they ain't coming. And <laughs> I, I didn't just, have the money to pay for I that. I got three pony kegs last <laughs> night. <It's> bullshit. <laughs> well, like I, I said, uh, JJ was autistic. He had a service dog. Charles, his dad, had gotten him this probably very expensive service dog. I think it was like a golden doodle or something like that, named Bailey. And it turned out it was a really good thing that for JJ that they got this dog. 
and um, he, you know, was a very loyal companion and JJ loved him. And they said that, you know, once JJ got the dog, it was the first time like he was able to sleep all night Hmm. in his own room and stuff like that. So it was really good dog. Well, in late August, Lori was trying to sell the dog Bailey online. She had placed like an advertisement to sell Bailey for $2,500. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. Well, maybe the dog came after Alex with a bat. <laughs> Very. Well, somehow Bailey's trainer got word that uh, she was trying to sell this dog. Now, if this is like a trained service dog, like a trained service dog we know of, you're not allowed to get rid of that dog. Well, because they, if they paid for it, presumably yes. The one maybe they, that I, we know, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't pay for it. It was yeah. free by the Charles Schultz Foundation. I don't know that they paid for it. I was just kind of saying that because she was, that it was an expensive dog because she was trying to sell him for $2,500. I don't know that Charles paid for the dog, so I'm not, okay. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, that's true. Um, well, so anyway, the trainer found out and ended up taking the dog back. And it didn't say whether or not the trainer had to pay Lori for the dog. Yeah. Probably not. But um, Lori's excuse of why she was getting rid of the dog was there had been a tragedy in the family and they had to move. Well, couldn't the dog move with yeah, you? I know. Since your That's autistic son works. needs his service dog. People usually bring their pets with him when they move. It's just the norm. Usually. Especially this kind of pet. I mean, you might leave behind the parakeet. Uh-huh. But well, the dog. This was late August. Then on September 1st, Lori, JJ, Tylee, um, her brother Alex, and her niece, who is an adult, you know, married with children. Her name is Melanie Boudreau. They all moved to Rexburg, Idaho, hmm. which is about 10 minutes from where Chad Daybell lives in Salem, Idaho. Hmm. What, what um, I'm sorry, what month was this again? September. Okay. Early September, the beginning of September. A few days after they moved, Lori enrolled JJ in school in Rexburg, which is, you know, what a good normal mom would do. About a week later was the last time um, anybody had ever seen Tylee with Lori. That's when Lori, Tylee, Alex, and JJ went to Yellowstone National Park. Oh, no. It's never a good sign. Yep. Nobody sees Tylee after that. On What li- day was that? September 8th. Okay. There, people have come forward with photos of Tylee. They actually found photos of Tylee on Lori's iCloud account at Yellowstone. And then like the National Park Service, they also take pictures yeah. of people when they're entering the park. So they had pictures of that so too. So they did go to Yellowstone yeah. after that? Yes. Would they take pictures? I'm assuming they don't take pictures as they're leaving, but that would be interesting to know if they saw the car yeah. leave. Yeah, I, I didn't see anything about when they left. Hmm. So then a couple weeks later on September 19th, Lori hired a babysitter through a website, www.care.com, for JJ. Advertisement with a website. (laughs) She never used the babysitter again, so that was just the the first and last time. Hmm. And then on September 23rd, so just about three weeks after JJ was first enrolled in the school in Rexburg, was the last time he ever went to school. Wow. was September 23rd. On October 1st, so I think, you know, she would say she was homeschooling him. I think that's what she did say. She was uh, pulling him out to homeschool him. And Tylee never went to school in Idaho. She was doing like a home study thing. Okay. Although at some point, Lori did tell people that Tylee was enrolled in classes at BYU. Well, Rexburg is where BYU Satellite Campus in Idaho is located. Yes, but... Tylee never went to BYU. Not even that one. No, she lied. Okay. So on October 1st, Lori rented a storage unit in Rexburg, Idaho. And inside the storage unit, she puts all kinds of things, interestingly enough, photo albums, Hmm. the kids' blankets, their bikes, their sports equipment, all their toys. Weird. So they haven't been seen since around the 8th, right? Because their pull-out school, was, was, that was when they went to Yellowstone, or maybe a couple days after that, right? 
Tylee hasn't been seen. Since the 8th. Since the 8th. Okay. JJ was oh, seen at school on September 23rd. That was the last day oh, that it, he went it, to school. It. Okay. Okay, got it. And so then October, mm-hmm. so like a week after JJ is disenrolled from school, mm-hmm. Lori rents this storage unit and puts all of his stuff in the storage yeah, unit. And no, and no word to the police, our kids are my, my eight-year-old now, or seven-year-old is missing. Yeah, no. And there is video surveillance, you know, at the storage rental place. Mm-hmm. And so it shows her arriving with someone who looks like her brother, could yeah. be her brother. And his silver truck is captured on the camera. He has like a silver Silverado or whatever. And the video shows like the man getting out and like looking both ways, like really, like a spy, like making sure that He's the coast all is black clear. With a ski mask on, <laughs> and then unloading things from the truck and you know putting them into the storage unit. the The thing that I read said like things like gun cases and bikes. Hmm. So now, b- police believe that the man with Lori was Chad. And since his truck was there, in my mind, there might be more than one occurrence Mm. of going back and forth to the storage unit or, you know, like maybe the first time Alex Alex was with her because it seemed like he was, it was her, his truck. The time that it seems like they think it was Chad, Mm -hmm. it, he's seen removing stuff from a car. So like a backseat of Lori's car Mm and carrying it and putting it into storage. And one thing looks like he's carrying a big bag that's heavy. I guess huh. just from the way he's carrying it. I haven't seen this video, so I don't know. And presumably, or no, not presumably, this was the day before another event involving Alex. That was part one of the Lori Vallow case. Next week, we'll continue the story. She's up in Idaho, and she can't seem to find her kids, and bad things happen.